Welcome in to another episode of the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show. We're here today, I think we're two or three weeks away from the season, just inching closer and closer every single week. And we're going to be bringing you guys some new content. We're moving to two shows a week starting now. And when the season starts, I think we're going to be bumping it up to four shows a week and adding some DFS like DraftKings and FanDuel stuff. So that should be really fun. On the docket for today's show, we have a new segment that we will get to very soon. I think you guys will really like it. And then we're going to be going through our top 12 wide receivers as we head into fantasy draft season. So our first segment, and this is something new that I thought of this morning, the training camp hype train. Choo-choo! So as uh, training camp has started and is in full swing, I guess, um, you know, we love coach speak. It's the Pete Carroll effect out here. Just talking up your players. Everybody is the best player in the NFL, you know, because why would a coach tell their player that they're bad when you want them to have a good season, you know? So we're going to go through some of the latest coach speak and hype and see if it's like actually true and what it means for fantasy. So the first piece of um, hype comes from nowhere else but the Washington football team. God, they've been in the news all the time lately. And from the backfield, there's a lot going on in this backfield. But this one is about Bryce Love, a guy who we actually haven't really talked about that much this offseason. But Bryce Love, or this is a quote from head coach Ron Rivera. He said, um, Love, uh, Love took first team snaps during Wednesday's practice, and he looks like he could be a three down back. So again, He's also called Antonio Gibson, Christian McCaffrey. So can we really trust what Ron Rivera is saying about Bryce Love, Will? I mean, he I liked him at Stanford a lot. He was a like 2,000-yard rusher, I think. He was amazing. He hasn't really done anything in the NFL yet. Um, so it, it's exciting to hear good reports about him. But Ron Rivera is notoriously... He, just, he says great things about all his players. And so I don't think... You can really take too much out of this. It's still a really crowded backfield with a lot of guys that project pretty similarly in terms of talent and skill set. So I'm still avoiding it, but yeah, if you're going to take a flyer on this backfield, I think Bryce Love, not the worst guy to choose. So Yeah, I mean, at this point, we could still be looking at Adrian Peterson getting 200 carries in this offense. Like It could go in so many different directions. I think Bryce, La- Bryce Love is the most talented out of the three guys who like project as two down back. So I think he's more talented than Peyton Barber and Adrian Peterson sure. at this point in Peterson's career. Um, I don't know how great of a pass catcher he can be. And I think there's other guys who should get that role on this team, like JD McKissick and Antonio Gibson, but it's definitely something to monitor. The next guy that we're going to talk about, and this is someone that me and Will are trying to keep under, under the bed sheets because we don't want the hype getting too high. But Damian Harris continues to stand out, and it's not just as a runner. He did a nice job picking up a block today and looks comfortable in his route tree. He's been the best back at camp. That is from a beat writer at the New England Patriots, okay? So this is a team that has expressed discomfort with Sony Michelle as their starting running back, and Rex Burkett is not at his peak anymore, and Damian Harris is a third-round pick. He could be their starter for sure. Yeah, the Patriots notoriously have a committee – so it's rare to have anyone get like a workhorse like share. So even if Harris is the best running back there, it's unlikely he gets that three down or even two down role for the whole year. I will say I really liked him at Alabama. Um, I thought he was going to be an immediate contributor last year. He was a third round pick and he wasn't. I don't know why that is. But if he is the lead back, there is upside. And 
maybe he ends up having kind of a Raheem Mostert-type season where he has these weeks where he just goes off and the offense looks great, and he has weeks where he just kind of duds and someone else gets the carries in a different kind of matchup. But he's someone you can definitely take a late flyer on. Yeah, I think it's all about taking a late flyer on Damian Harris because we have seen um, committee work out of the Patriots' backfield, but there has also been times where they have had a lot of um, value from that backfield. And if Harris is a starter, I think he's a talented player. I think he can have a lot of value. Okay, the next guy, Zach Moss, running back from the Buffalo Bills. And the quote out of the Bills training camp is, Moss has shown ability as a pass-catching back. And this was really the question because Moss was coming in to fill that Frank Gore role. But what do you think the ceiling is here for Zach Moss, Will? So I think there's a lot of misconceptions about Zach Moss as a player. And just like... The note, like because Frank Gore is gone and Zach Moss is here, there's this like Frank Gore role archetype for some reason. I don't know if that's even a thing, but Zach Moss in college was one of the best receiving backs in college football history. He was incredibly efficient, and the notion that he's like just like this between the tackles bruiser is is I think misguided. And he is a bigger and more physical back as well than Devin Singletary. And in my opinion, they're, bo- they're both third-round picks. Moss is actually a better player. And Singletary is going really high in drafts. I'm not touching him. Uh, and I think there's a real chance that Zach Moss wins the job outright. And I think this is legitimate hype because he is really, really good. Yeah, I mean, that's that's huge praise because Singletary was very good last season. He averaged 5.1 yards per carry in a limited role. We'd like to see him get more carries too. But... I mean, it's going to be really cool to see what they do with the Buffalo backfield. I think this is going to be a decent offense. I think it's I, – I have more praise for this offense than you do. But I think either way, it should help out the entire um, offense if Zach Moss is the starter. Yeah, and one, okay. more, one more quick thing oh, yeah. is that Devin Singletary is, like, a very small player. Um, and there's a, a common perception that smaller players are better pass catchers. But Devin Singletary in his rookie season and in college – was a like, really bad pass catcher. So I think even if Moss doesn't get the early down workload, which could certainly go to Singletary because Singletary is a, a good running back, Moss is already going to be locked in a third down role from day one. And then there's upside for Moss uh, to assume more of an early down role, which is why I like him more. But you're going to see probably at the start of the season a Singletary two down and Zach Moss one down committee. Yeah, I mean, it, I at this point, I used to be higher on Singletary, but I've definitely cooled off with this Zach Moss hype, and this, I guess I'm just off of Singletary more now because I don't think he's that prolific through the tackles, especially in the red zone, so that's kind of tough, especially when you need a guy that going le- that late in the draft uh, to get touchdowns for him to get into your starting line and break into your roster. So let's move on to the next running back who has some training camp hype, Chase Edmonds the presumed backup out of Arizona. Uh, Coach Cliff Kingsbury has been saying that Edmonds is more than just a starter and that we're going to use Edmonds in a role that's bigger than just the presumed backup this season, even though he was that last year. I think Edmonds is a very talented running back, but Kenyon Drake, they paid him. They they traded for him from the Dolphins and then paid him. And even when David Johnson was still there, they elected to start Kenyon Drake as their uh, workhorse back. But could Chase Edmonds have a role in this offense? I think for sure, um, but I think that doesn't come at the expense of Kenyon Drake. We see the NFL overall is moving towards, like moving away from the 
the workhorse running back. We have very few guys that get the three-down workload. And Kenyon Drake has never shown the ability to have that three-down workload. And if I own him in fantasy, I'm not sure I'd want that. Um, he is very efficient when he gets touches. But if he ends up getting 25 touches, it increases the injury risk. He probably becomes less efficient. And so the Edmonds hype is real. He's a very good player, and he's going to have a pretty big role in the offense. But if that like lowers the hype on Kenyon Drake... That's gonna make me want to have Kenny Drake on my team even more. Yeah, there's nothing you can't take anything away from Kenny Drake. We saw him in a workhorse role. I don't think we expect him to be a 300 carry type guy. Right. That's his body type doesn't project like that. We've never seen him do that before. Even though I think he has that capacity in his skill set, I think Edmonds will have a role. I don't think it'll be like a starter role, and he's not gonna take anything away from Drake. But I think there could be. It could be like a. a like a Browns backfield where both running backs have value. I mean, I think this Arizona offense is going to be amazing. So I definitely think both guys could have value. The next guy I want to touch on, and I think this is more of a product of them losing out on a lot of their receivers. The San Francisco 49ers lost Debo Samuel, who they, there have been many mixed reports on Samuel's health. It has, he's not going to come back until October. And now they're saying he could be ready for week one. It's just tough to like, feel the temperature on Debo Samuel's return. And then this past week, you had Brandon Ayuk, their rookie, uh, pulling up with a hamstring tweak. And then Jalen Hurd tearing his ACL. It's just a lot of guys going down. It's very unfortunate. But the hype is that Kendrick Bourne, who's been there for a few seasons, he won the NFC Championship with them, is the most consistent receiver in camp. That's what the quote uh, the quote from Kyle Shanahan is. And I think that he trusts Bourne. Bourne's not the best receiver in the NFL, but he's a serviceable player. I don't know if we're going to trust him in fantasy ever, but at least we know Garoppolo has one target that's decent outside still with all these injuries. Yeah, I still don't think there's any reason to draft Kendrick Bourne, and I'm pretty off the Niners' passing offense as a whole, uh, except for George Kittle, who's obviously great no matter what. But Kendrick Bourne is a solid player. He's flashed upside. He's been very good in the red zone, um, but... He's not gonna have a like a weekly, like ten target kind of upside. Like there's, there's no reason to draft him or even to have him on your team. But he, I mean, like maybe I don't know. I'm I'm not drafting him. I'm not too excited about the upside for Bourne. Yeah, I don't think that. I mean, in most offenses, you would project the targets to go elsewhere. I think in a 49ers offense, you can't project that. You just have to say they're just gonna run the ball more because. It works for them. It's their system. Kyle Shanahan doesn't really care if he throws the ball seven times a game if they're going to win. So I think you're just going to see them running the ball more with Mostert, Coleman, McKinnon, all their guys, and then just throw the ball to George Kittle when they have the chance. Okay, the last guy we're going to talk about in this training training camp hype session is TJ Hawkinson, a guy who Will has loved this whole offseason. And Coach Matt Patricia said that TJ Hawkinson is making our safeties mad. That's a great quote you want to hear from out of your tight end that you're going to draft in the 15th round um, who has a lot of upside. We both love Hawkinson here on the Semi-Pro Fantasy Show. I, and I know we've talked about him a lot, but Will, why don't you give your last take before we move on? Yeah, I keep saying like it's it's dangerous to, to get too invested in the draft capital, but they took him with the 8th overall pick because he's that talented of a player. He is one of the most physically imposing tight end talents in the NFL. His measurables are off the charts. And last year, it was a disappointment with the injury. But, like, there's just major upside here. In the 15th round, that's crazy. 
Like he's an amazing yeah. talent, and it all, all the news is going to be positive because he's just that good of a player. I don't think this is BS. This is real, and he he should be going higher in drafts. And until he does, and even if he like even if he does, I'm still taking him. Yeah, I mean, you mentioned the draft capital and the real-life draft. The thing that I'm enamored with is the draft capital and the fantasy draft. Because, well, we think he's great. And I really do believe that he will have a breakout season. Uh, A lot of second-year tight ends have that step-up season because it's tough to break out as a rookie tight end. You know, you're learning the blocking schemes. It's tough. You learn a lot of tight end. You're learning the routes. You're learning blocking. You're learning the whole offense. It's like learning a wide receiver position and an offensive line position. It's very tough. But Hawkinson was drafted with the eighth pick, and you don't have to give up a very high pick. And if he gets hurt or he doesn't uh, project what he what we project he will be, then you can drop him, and it doesn't really hurt you at all to drop your 15th round pick. You're not married to him like you'd be married to a Mark Andrews or a Zach Ertz or a Darren Waller. And if they were to get hurt, it would devastate your team. So that's our whole thing with Hawkinson. This camp hype just backs up what we've been saying for the past few weeks. We love TJ Hawkinson here. Yeah. All right, let's move on to the quick question of the day. This came in right before the show. Uh, I, I really like this question. It is, who is the biggest high-risk and high-reward player of the 2020 season? Ooh, this is tough. Um, I mean, there's I, – I guess we can go with Todd Gurley just because – Wow. Um, I'm kind of like, throwing Todd Gurley and James Conner in the same boat because they both have elevated injury risks. But mm-hmm. – like when they're on the field, they should be RB one like every week when they're on the field. Um, less so Gurley, more so Connor. Uh, Gurley should be like top fifteen, but we don't really know what he is. Running backs tend to decline really fast, and I, I like personally, I'd rather be too early on a player than too late. And while I'm okay with taking Gurley this season, I don't know. Maybe I am too late, or maybe people are too late. Maybe he is like kind of washed up. We don't know. And Connor just has injuries every single season. They just always mount up hamstrings, ankles, knees, whatever. But those guys, when they're on the field and they're they're playing like they are capable of, they're top ten running backs. But they have the yeah. chance to really, really bust in cripple seasons too. Yeah, I, I like those picks for sure. I look at Gurley as a very high risk player. I, it's crazy to call him wash. I wouldn't go that far. Yeah, I don't think he's washed. But the decline in talent is definitely apparent when you're not going to receive passes when you're running even more routes. It's definitely because the talent has declined. I mean, we can, it, you can't just give a player um, the benefit of the doubt when he's just declined in production and talent. So I know he's been great in the past, but it's tough. Um, for me, I'm. I look at a guy like AJ Green. You have that injury um history and we know how great he's been when he's on the field i think that's a very easy answer another guy will fuller same thing with the injuries and then one guy who i i think is high risk high reward is marquise brown like i think marquise brown could be a top 15 receiver if he stays healthy if they're in game scripts that like promote him his abilities it's not gonna hopefully for his sake they aren't 15 and 1 or 14 and 2 and just running the ball uh, like they did last season. I think that Marquise Brown is talented and can really open up that offense. So I think those are three good players to answer that question. Yeah. But let's move into the bulk segment of this episode, the top 12 wide receivers. So we're going to go through them chronologically one through 12 and just dive into like what we think 
is good about them. I mean, these are the best guys who are going to be on your team. So these are the guys you want to pick in your first two, three rounds of the draft, or I guess one, two, and three rounds of the draft. Let's start with number one, Michael Thomas, who finished the year number one last season, had a great season, record-breaking year for Michael Thomas. And, you know, the the perception is that a number one wide receiver doesn't usually repeat as a number one wide receiver. So why do we have Michael Thomas ranked at one, Will? Well, it's just, especially in like even half PPR and full PPR formats, his reception upside and like just how many catches he gets is just so far beyond the the rest of the league that even when he gets fewer yards, which he didn't last year, last year I think he still led the league in receiving yards. But even if he even if he didn't, the amount of receptions he gets is just such a high and weekly targets. and targets. It's just such a high weekly floor that he's matchup proof no matter like you start him and he puts up big time numbers every single week. Yeah, um, and, and I think the argument is similar to the one with McCaffrey. Like, it yeah, they don't repeat as the number one wide receiver percentage wise. Like, usually they don't repeat. But based off the targets and the receptions, Michael Thomas has the best percentage to finish as the number one wide receiver. That is why we rank in that high. Well, and also he has like if you draft a guy a run, like a running back at number one overall, and he finishes at RB five, you're totally happy with that. And like Michael Thomas. There's no way if he stays healthy that he's not a top five receiver in fantasy. Right. There's no way. And one more thing is like the catches are just so absurd. He's literally keeping my league from going from standard format to half PBR because people just think he's gonna break the league. Which is like no, it's not how fantasy works. But like it's otherworldly just how many catches this guy is getting. And same with McCaffrey. Like just like we've never seen anything like it, a player like McCaffrey getting that many carries and that many catches, and for Michael Thomas getting that many targets, and that like on that high of a catch percentage. Like we have trends from year to year, but these guys are defying all the trends. I think there's they should be the tops at their positions respectively. And if you're drafting wide receiver in the first round, he's the first guy you go for, without a doubt. Yeah, right. And you said that, but we have tier based rankings here at Semi Pro Fantasy Show, meaning. We, yes, we rank 1 through 12, and those will be the top 12 receivers, and there are 12 teams in most fantasy leagues, so those are the wide receiver ones. But the tier, bra- tier base basically separates guys from like Michael Thomas from guys like Mike Evans, who shouldn't be in the same level as one another because Michael Thomas is just a much better fantasy producer. And for me, at least for me, my tier is Michael Thomas in his own tier because yeah. there's no argument who's wide receiver one. It is Michael Thomas. I, w- I would not consider taking my uh first wide receiver with any other pick um other than michael thomas so it's clear who's the number one wide receiver and i don't think there's much to be said other than what we have said so far is there anything else you want to put on this will not really Uh, like one other thing is like maybe the saints offense experiences some sort of decline but their offensive line is still one of the best in the nfl uh camara should be healthier maybe he gets more targets and that takes away a little bit from thomas but Thomas could lose like forty targets and still be the wide receiver one. So I just... he had one hundred eighty-five targets. That's yeah. the most of any wide receiver ever. If he's gonna, we expect him to lose targets and still be the wide receiver one. Yeah, it's just absurd. So draft him with your as your top receiver and feel great about it. Yeah. All right, Julio Jones at number two. I have him have him ranked number two. Will has him ranked number three. I don't think that that Will is saying that Julio Jones is a bad player. There's not much no. of a disparity there. Um, for me, I see Julio Jones as similar to Michael Thomas, a consistent option who you can rely on every single week. 
I think that, at least for me, in most leagues, outside of full-point PPR, the only wide receiver I would draft in the first round is Michael Thomas. Um, that's just because of how the running back depth thins out this year. Julio Jones, if you want to take him 10th, 11th, 12th pick, that's fine by me. I'm more of uh, taking him 2-1 taking him or 2-2, something like that. But he's he's amazing. He's been amazing for the past however many years he's been in the league, seven or eight years. Uh, the one the one thing, the one thing that we can say about Julio Jones that is bad is the touchdown production. Um, I think it could be better this season just because it should uh, – there's there's room for positive regression to the mean. There were their uh, Dirk Cutter, their former offense coordinator that was there when they won or when they lost the Super Bowl to the Patriots, is back now, and he was great with Julio Jones in the red zone. What do you think about Julio Jones, Will? Well, touching on your red zone point, it was I think mostly his struggles weren't because he's a bad red zone receiver. I think that's dumb because there's nothing about his game that suggests he'd be bad in the red zone. But teams just focus on him so much because he's that incredible of a player yeah but with the emergence of calvin ridley as that like almost like pseudo number one who's actually number two they can't like ridley got so many touchdowns because they're in single coverage and that was great for the falcons red zone offense they can't do that to ridley again and so that's also going to open up more opportunities for jones i think and so he should have positive regression and touchdown department and then overall for jones as a player i think like thomas has is like better at almost everything than everyone but with Julio Jones, I think his weekly upside is the the best because he can have those weeks where he gets like twelve catches for two hundred and ten yards and three touchdowns, and there yeah. aren't many guys that can do that because he's he's like just a freak of nature. So when you combine his pretty strong weekly floor with that kind of upside, I think there's a very real chance for him to be number two. The only reason I have a number three is just because maybe Calvin really eats into his target share a little bit. But that's it's nitpicking. It's like with these top guys, it's all just nitpicking, really, because they're all so yeah. amazing. Um, he is just a fantastic player. Yeah, and the last thing I want to touch on before we move on to the to number three is that okay. So Julio Jones has been in the league for a long time. He's thirty three years old now, and he's dealt with injuries in the past. But he's played sixteen games the past three seasons. You can't. We can't just like call for injuries when they're not happening. And he plays through injuries all the time. He's a strong. A contender and he he knows what he's doing on the field even when he's hurt and like Julio Jones is so consistent and I think it's a, just an out, otherworldly mixture of high floor and high ceiling and that's what makes him so amazing and oh he's been a, a first pick a first round pick for the past five years in fantasy football because of these things and he continues to be this season right and everyone's waiting for this like precipitous decline I haven't seen anything yet <laughs> like yeah He's he's still amazing, so don't think he's gonna like suddenly become a bad receiver. Yeah. Okay. So let's move on to Devonte Adams at number three. Uh, my number three, your number two, uh, consensus wide receiver. What do you think about Devonte Adams? The only reason I have Devonte Adams higher than Julio Jones is because he has the chance to get like eighteen touchdowns, just because he is like the red zone target for Aaron Rodgers, and. Also, just being the de facto number one, where the number two is Alan Lazard, who I like, but he's no Calvin Ridley. Devontae Adams is just, like, he's an amazing player. Um, he gets disrespected because he doesn't have, like, the raw physical talent of some of the other top guys in the league, but he always gets open. He's one of the best route runners. Like, him and Keenan Allen are two of the best route runners in all of football. He always gets open. 
uh, on a week-to-week basis. He's he's super consistent, and I think while Julio Jones is amazing, Devontae Adams is even more consistent than Julio Jones week-to-week, and he also does have Aaron Rodgers throwing the ball. And last year was like somewhat of a down year. He was still amazing, but the Packers were super run-heavy, and I don't think they're going to be as good of a team this year. Their offensive line is slightly worse, and I think the overall pass volume should increase in Green Bay, and that means even more points for Devontae Adams. I think he might have a monster season. I mean, I think he's going to have a great year. I have him ranked at three. Again, he could have 18 touchdowns, just like you were saying. The one thing that I have against Devontae Adams is injury. He's only played one 16-game season in his six-year career. And it's not like he's missing 10, 15 games a year, like a Will Fuller or something like that. But when you're taking wide receiver as high as three, and this could be your first-round pick, this is the basis of your team. If he's not there on a week-to-week basis, that's going to hurt you. Yeah, no, that's fair. And I think, I don't think he's necessarily an injury-prone player. But no, he always does seem all. to have those, like, nagging hamstring injuries. But when he plays, he's going to be a top option every single week. Um, he's matchup proof, just like Julio Jones. And like the difference between Julio Jones and Devontae Adams is like almost nothing. So it's not like right. I think Julio Jones is just a much better pick. I think they're both fantastic picks. Well, you have Adams ranked ahead. Right. I'm oh, sorry. My bad. That's a, I, you know what I meant. Yes, I do, I do know what you mean, but... I don't, I don't think Devontae Adams is a much, it's a much the better The reason pick. you said that is because of how close they are. It's right. minuscule how different... I mean, the difference between these two players. I had Devontae Adams ranked second... In my rankings, like two weeks ago before I did a editing stat out. And the last thing I want to touch on before, and you mentioned this briefly, Devontae Adams is basically the number one, number two, number three, and number four option in this offense. You could argue Alan Lazard, who we do like here. Devin Funches dropped out. Yeah, Jay yeah, Sternberger yeah. is arguably their second best option outside of the backfield. Like, yeah, and he's like a It's kind of like gross. Right, and we both project them to... Uh, the Packers to throw the ball more. They're going to be in less positive game scripts than they were last season because of um, their point differential and the discrepancy there. So there's just a lot of targets that will go towards Devonta Adams. He's going to be a very safe play, even when he doesn't score one of those 18 touchdowns. Yeah. All right, let's move on to number four. We have DeAndre Hopkins, who's my number four receiver and your number five receiver. Again, it's very close in the discrepancy between Hopkins and our fifth and our fifth ranked receiver, Tyreek Hill. Um, Hopkins is getting used to a new team, but I mean, Hopkins is just a different breed. He's built different, man. You know, (laughs) most players require a season to, um, adapt to their new roster and new rapport with their quarterback. But I don't think Hopkins is going to require that season. We've never seen him like change teams before, but I'm just assuming that he's so great that they're not going to need that um trans like that that one year to for him to build a rapport with Kyler Murray. Yeah, no, he's a fantastic player. And I think the reason I have Tyree Kill ahead of him is just because Tyree Kill didn't change teams and is also just a fantastic player. Uh DeAndre Hopkins has a really high weekly floor. Um and Tyree Kill doesn't have that same weekly floor. Um the thing with DeAndre Hopkins is that he has shown in the past few seasons he doesn't get many like yards after the catch, so he doesn't really turn those like ten yard slants into like these sixty yard gains. 
So, like, maybe he has a game where he gets, like, four catches for 60 yards. The the weekly upside on DeAndre Hopkins has slightly declined in recent years. Not to the level of Tyreek Hill, but I think Tyreek Hill's weekly upside is what pushes him over Hopkins for me. But they're, DeAndre Hopkins, he's an amazing receiver. I don't expect some major aggression on Arizona. Kyler Murray's a great quarterback, um, on, and it's going to be a great offense. So he's someone you can absolutely feel great drafting in the second round. Okay, Will, would you like to play a game? Sure. All right, this game is called DeAndre Hopkins or Julian Edelman. All right, who has more missed games in the past two seasons, Julian Edelman or DeAndre Hopkins? It feels like it would be Edelman. You are correct. It yeah. is Edelman by one. Only one? I feel like he had more missed Only games Only one. Than that. All right, catch percentage. Who had a higher catch percentage over the last two seasons, Hopkins or Edelman? Well, Edelman led the league in drops last year, and DeAndre Hopkins has dropped like three passes in his career, so I'd go with Hopkins, but... It is it is Hopkins by 1%. Okay, this is close. <laughs> it is very close. All right, next one. More bust games. So a bust game is when, in half PPR, you score lower than 10 points that week. So it, basically, uh, 10 or 9 points, basically, for a guy like Hopkins, you're hurting your team because he's your number one option. Who has more bust games over the last two seasons, Edelman or Hopkins? I would think the Hopkins, though, just because Edelman, his weekly floor has always been so high, and he always gets, like, four catches for, like, 60 yards. You're correct. It is Hopkins. I'm good at this. Hopkins does have five bust games, and Edelman has three. So, who has more touchdowns over the past two seasons? Is it Hopkins or Edelman? This has, like, okay, logic is telling me it's Hopkins, but some, like, secret, like, demon inside of me is saying it's going to be Edelman, but I'm going to go with Hopkins. It is Hopkins. Okay, Hopkins good. had 18. <laughs> okay, two more questions to go. All right. Who had a higher consistency rating? A higher consistency, ra- consistency rating was who is more startable and who will uh, basically bust in the middle of bust and boom games? Who had a higher consistency rating? I'm going to go with Edelman because Hopkins has had a lot of floor weeks. But. It is Edelman. Okay. But you're now asking, Aaron, why is Julian Edelman not even in the top 30? And DeAndre Hopkins is a top five receiver. And now, here's my answer for you. <laughs> Who had more boom games in the last two seasons? DeAndre Hopkins or Julian Edelman? It has to be Hopkins. It has to be Hopkins. Hopkins had 14 to Edelman 7. So, what is our conclusion? <laughs> well, Hopkins does have a few bust games... You can rely on those boom games to happen all the time. Like, he's going to be finding the end zone. He has a knack for the end zone. He's going to get over 150 targets or 140 targets in that range, even though he's on a new offense. And he's one of the most talented receivers in the league. So, yes, there was a little uh, pushback last year with his yard after the catch, and his um, yards per catch was like 11.2, which is a lot less than it has been for his entire career, but I expect it to bounce back up. I mean, I think this, we talked about it earlier in the training camp hype session um, segment that we both believe in this Cardinals offense, and I think Hopkins will have a great season in this Cardinals offense. Yeah, it's almost like the Jamison Crowder thing, where Jamison Crowder, for me, actually projects higher than a lot of players I have ranked above him, and that's just because his weekly upside isn't that high, and so... Regardless of what happens, injuries to other players, he's always going to be a borderline flex player. Um, and with, with Edelman, he's kind of the same thing. He's always going to be a borderline flex player. And even if everyone else gets hurt, he's still a borderline flex player. Yeah. 
All right, well, let's move on to uh, number five. I hope you enjoyed that game, Will. Yes, sir. Uh, number five is Tyreek Hill, like you were mentioning earlier. Um, Tyreek Hill has been scaring me a little bit lately. I mean, he's in the best offense in the league, arguably. It's not even arguable. They're the best offense in the league, basically. Best quarterback in the league. He gets passes from him. Um, the one thing I'm scared of is if Tyreek Hill is your wide receiver one, you have to be ready to deal with some of those bust games. And some of those games where he just appear, uh, disappears because he's not getting the targets forever, they're up 30 points, or he's pulled a hamstring. Like He's dealt with that in the past, but we keep drafting him this high. Why is that, Will? Well, first of all, the boom weeks are just absurd for Tyreek right. Hill. Um, he also has return upside with punt returns. That can get him some touchdowns. Um, he also has rushing upside, uh, which is kind of unlike a lot of these top receivers. The thing is, like, also in recent years, he's actually been having fewer of these bust games as he becomes a more well-rounded receiver. And obviously, he's still got more bust games than a lot of the guys going around in mid-drafts. But, the, like, the talent is just, it's there. And the upside is there every single week. He's on the highest volume passing offense in the league, or, like, the highest efficiency, at least. I'm not the highest volume. But he's on the best offense in the league. He's the number one receiver. And, like, like based on format, in full PPR, he's lower. In half PPR, he's slightly lower than, like, standard. But in standard, you can draft him as, like, the wide receiver two if you want. Like, maybe yeah. not, but, like, he is. He does have fewer receptions than a lot of the guys going in this range, which is concerning. He's like the Tyreek Hill of wide receivers. You can draft Tyreek Hill as the... I mean, not Tyreek Hill. Sorry, that was terrible. Derrick <laughs> Henry of wide receivers. Yeah. Um, because you can draft Derrick Henry as the number two or three running back in uh, standard because of the volume and there's no discrepancy with the catches. Um, it definitely is based off of the scoring method. Um, half PBR plays against Tyree Kill and plays two guys like DeAndre Hopkins, Vontae Adams, Julio Jones, Michael Thomas, who get a lot of catches. But you shouldn't be scared off Tyree Kill, especially in some cases you can pair Tyree Kill with a very good running back. I mean, he's going behind these guys in drafts. So you don't have to take him with your first pick. You could get him in the early second round and then have a very good running back who can stabilize your team ahead of him. Yeah, and I think in recent years, we've seen Terry Killis have those games where he kind of loses you the week almost. Obviously, no player can actually lose you the week on his own, but he's had those like dud weeks. But like I don't think this year he's going to be a player that ever loses you a week, and he's going to be someone that wins you multiple weeks. Yeah. And, ha- and getting like a player that can just win you weeks on his own is incredibly valuable. So he's someone that I love drafting. I'm obviously concerned. And if you draft them, you want to pair them with like more safer players. You don't want to like get more risky as players. A DJ more? Perhaps. Uh, <laughs> but like, like it, it's about like team construction. So if you draft Tyree Kill, you're not going to be drafting James Conner necessarily. Uh, you're yeah. going to be looking for more safe players around him. But Okay. I don't have anything else to say about Tyreek Hill um, other than just be cautious of those bus games. Yeah. Uh, the next guy we want to move on to, our sixth re- receiver, is Chris Godwin. Godwin ended the season as the number two receiver last year. Had a crazy breakout season where he usurped Mike Evans, the number one in the offense. And it was just all around a great player. And he did it in 14 games, right? So, I mean, I love Chris Godwin. I was a little bit hesitant at first with Brady coming in. I thought the um, volume would decrease a little bit. But Brady loves the slot receiver, guys. 
and Arians loves using slot receiver guys in his offense. I really just think we can expect the same type of production from Chris Godwin. Maybe we scale back a little bit in the touchdown department, but I don't think there's a lot to be scared of with Chris Godwin. He's very safe. Yeah, I think he's one of the safest uh, early round receivers because he doesn't he, has, he hasn't shown any like real injury concerns throughout his young career. And in this Tampa Bay offense, I'm more fading Mike Evans just because he's the outside receiver and he's also aging. He's still a great player. But Godwin is still young. He's ascending. He's incredibly talented. He's in the slot, which is great for Brady. Like, the the volume that Jameis Winston threw at last year is just absurd, and so we can't expect that again. But Brady's going to be more efficient. The volume's going to be lower. I think there's higher touchdown upside for Godwin. And just, like, you're not, like, I don't think Godwin is going to finish as a top, like the number one receiver. I don't think that's really in his range of outcomes for this season. But just the, the safety of a player like yeah. that. He's going to be a wide receiver one. Without a doubt. And that's just yeah. so valuable. Like security in the early rounds. You can you can lose leagues in the early rounds. You can't really win them. He's not going to lose your league. So like yeah. that's why I feel good about drafting him. I agree with that. That's everything. You covered everything I wanted to say, Will. Let's move on to uh, the number seven wide receiver, a guy that you have um, just been so high on this whole offseason, and I really wish he had been number six. Maybe that's my fault, because it would have been such a great segue for the last uh, uh, segment we were talking about DeAndre Hopkins, or Tyreek Hill, we moved into DJ Moore. But DJ Moore is at seven for us, and this is just a product of you ranking him so very high. I mean, the one thing I do want to touch on, and I did give Will uh, some heads up on this, uh, DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, and Allen Robinson are all tied for eight in our consensus rankings, but I put Moore at seven because I love Will. He's a great man, and I <laughs> wanted to give him some love here. So what is your outlook on DJ Moore? Just rave about him for a few minutes. Yeah, he's just, like, he's a third-year player, and that's when breakouts happen. I mentioned this last week. The first year is getting your feet wet. The second year is figuring out coverages and uh, getting used to your quarterback. And the third year is when receivers kind of put it all together. And... Like, he was a first-round pick for a reason. He's incredibly fast. He's quick. Um, he can take any catch to the house. And he just, like, last year he was a reception monster in the games he was playing. His quarterback was Kyle Allen for most of the year. He, like, had a game with Will Greer. He had a hobbled Cam Newton. Yet he still produced. Like, he is an incredible player. I'm not worried about Curtis Samuel or Rob Robbie Anderson being, like, huge target monsters to take away from DJ Moore. Moore's going to get the bulk of the targets. Major reception upside every single week. Um, the concern is touchdowns, but I think there's nothing about his game that says he can't get touchdowns. But that definitely yeah. was a concern in this first two years. But I just love him as a player. And I think the opportunity in that offense, they're going to have a lot of positive game scripts because I don't think their defense is very good. Um, there's massive upside. And I think just his receptions give him a a floor that most people don't give him credit for. There's there's also the rushing floor too. Yeah. He had a he has over 200 rushing yards through his first two seasons in the NFL. Not again like Tyreek Hill, not many receivers in this area have that. And the one thing that I take away from th those guys getting the ball in the rushing game is 
They want to put the ball in their hands no matter what it takes. If it's handing the ball off on an end around five yards behind the line of scrimmage, they want DJ Moore with the ball in his hands because he's an impact player. He's an impact guy, and he wins you football games. He brings you back from deficits. So while I don't have Moore as high as you, I'm complete. I'm not against him at all. I have him at 10, right. and I think he'll have a great year. Yeah, and then one more quick thing is like, Last year, the coaching staff was Ron Rivera. I don't remember who his offensive coordinator was, but their offense wasn't that like dynamic. I think with Matt Rule as a new head coach and Joe Brady, the guy from LSU, as the new uh, coordinator, that offense is going to be really creative. They're going to scheme up all sorts of ways to get the ball to DJ Moore. They know how good he is. So I just I think there's a lot of excitement in Carolina, and there's never going to be a game where he gets scripted out. I just think he's a fantastic yeah. player. All right, let's move on to eight. Consensus eight, Kenny Galladay. I have Kenny Galladay at seven. You have Kenny Galladay at nine. Not too big of a discrepancy. Uh, like, I actually scaled back on Kenny Galladay a little bit. I had him ahead of Chris Godwin because, again, in this high of the rounds, you're really looking to, li- to limit risk. And while we love Kenny Galladay's boom weeks, he has had weeks in the past where he'll get two, two receptions for 21 yards. And those were in earlier seasons – with David Blau and Jeff Driscoll and all these shitters that were playing quarterback for the Detroit Lions. But that is in his range of capacity, and you don't want to be hit with that from your wide receiver one on a weekly basis. Yeah, I think he's an immensely talented player. Um, His touchdowns should be well above average because he's shown a knack for just jumping people and just getting them. Same with Marvin Jones. But it's a tough division. I'm pretty high on the Lions as a whole, but their schedule is rough. Um, they go against a lot of good corners, and I just think there's there there are there's gonna be those games where he just completely duds. Um, yeah, and that's a real concern. If if you're drafting a receiver this early, you want them to be really consistent. There's like there's no like guarantee that he's gonna have those dud weeks a lot, but because it's in the range of outcomes, and we want to minimize risk, that's what puts him below the other guys that we have here. But, For sure. He's still like the reason he's still number eight is just because he's so talented. He, I think he's going into his third year as well, maybe third, third or fourth year. Well, um, he would remember he was very late round draft pick because um, of he went to a Northern Illinois and he was not very known coming out of high school and he's been d- doubted his whole career. Yeah, and he's still getting so, better. So I think there's yeah, a, lot of, is. a lot of upside for him. Yeah, we're not saying anything against the talent, but sometimes he does disappear, and you don't want your wide receiver one to disappear in week 15 when you're competing for a championship or something like that. Yeah, but he does have the high weekly upside because of the touchdowns. He can have a week where he gets three touchdowns, and that's going to pretty much almost win you the week on his own, similar to Tyreek Hill. But I think he's going to have more bust weeks than a guy like Tyreek Hill. All right, let's move on to the ninth receiver again. This guy's consensus eight, and we just put them in this order. Um... Allen Robinson is number nine for the Chicago Bears. I'm going to speak really quickly on Allen Robinson. I love Allen Robinson. Again, I think this is a guy who provides safety and has a high ceiling on a few weeks. Maybe not as high as a guy like Julio Jones because he's just not as potent of an offense, but he's going to provide safety at 154 targets last year, and we've been saying it the whole year, and we really hope this is true. The Bears' offense has to be better. It was so bad last year. And if you're going to give a very talented, one of the most underrated wide receivers in the league, a guy who is only ranked 93rd on the top 100 list, which is insane to me, Allen Robinson, 150-plus targets, and the offense is going to be 
any better at all, then he's going to have a great fantasy output. Yeah, and I said this before. Like, if you ask anyone, hey, why aren't you drafting Allen Robinson, or why do you have him so low? The same answer every time. The Bears suck. Yeah. And I'm like, but last year, the Bears absolutely were garbage. And this man still had 154 targets, 100 catches, like 1,100 yards. Like, if he produced like that in that offense, imagine if the offense gets even slightly better. Yeah. So, like, th- there's a floor that's very high. He just He's a target monster. Uh, and then if the offense is better, he should be better. Um, only, like, nitpick is, like, compared to the other guys, he is on a worse offense. That is true. And also, I think there is concern that Anthony Miller starts to tear or take uh, some of the targets away from Robinson. It's not going to be high-volume passing offense. And Miller is getting better, and he flashed towards the end of last year. I don't think it's a, a real concern or a real hit into Robinson. But, again, you have to nitpick with these guys. Yeah. Um, and I think just the the worst offense and the potential for a slightly reduced target share makes me a little lower on him than these other guys. Yeah, I, again, we're just nitpicking. All these guys are great. They're in our top 12. But let's move on to Robert Woods, number 10, a guy who I'm very high on this season. I have him at uh, number nine you have him at 11 so it's there's not again not a huge discrepancy my big thing with Robert Woods and this is mostly a product of where the running backs are going in drafts I'm looking to go heavy running back and Robert Woods is a great candidate for your wide receiver one or even a back end of or even a back end one or a high end two because of where he's going in drafts to be very good for you every single week he is the definition of consistency he can get you 15 points whenever you need it and, like, again, risk mitigation here. Robert Woods is in an offense that literally needs to use him because they have two rookie running backs and their their defense is worse than we've seen in years past. And he's going to be on the field every single play. And he's very talented. I, I, I don't think we have to cover much more with Robert Woods. We've had our Robert Woods discussions on this show. Is there anything else you want to say? Yeah, I think just the thing is he's a really talented player. And... um. Even if he ends up finishing at wide receiver 15, like, that's fine, and you're going to feel yeah. good about it. There's very few receivers in the range of Overwood that are just as safe as he is. The He did have some weeks where he just kind of disappeared last year, which is weird because he hasn't done that in the past, so it could be an outlier. It's slight concern. Not really, though. Um, he should be pretty consistent week to week. He doesn't have the highest weekly upside, but... That's not the kind of player he is, and if you're drafting him, know what you're getting, and if you're looking for that safe guy, you're going to get it. The one thing I want to say is I think they are outliers because we saw the Rams switch to 12 personnel last year, put two tight ends on the field, and I think everybody on that offense was getting used to it. Their offensive line was horrible last year. It's not great, but it's going to be better, and I think the whole offense is going to be a little bit better. They're going to be more used to that system. Sean McVay is a great offensive coach their defense isn't as good as it has been in the past which will force them to pass and all of this is a product of Robert Woods being a better receiver than he was last year and the touchdowns he's not like a touchdown guy he's not going to give you 15 touchdowns like a Devontae Adams but come on he got two last year he's going to have at least four or five with the amount of production that he has and he has that rushing upside that we have been talking about he gets 10 to 15 rushing attempts every season they want him with the ball in open field because of how talented he is yeah 
All right, number 11, Mike Evans. Uh, okay, the one thing I want to say about Mike Evans, and I, I think I have him higher than you, uh, Will, but he does, like, out of all the guys who have risk in this top 12, he is the guy that gives me the most uh, heebie-jeebies with the risk because he had a week last year where he completely goosed. He did not catch one pass. He did not have one yard. Somehow I still won that week because I had Will Fuller on my team with 53 <laughs> points. But you can't have that from a wide receiver one on your team. Yeah. So that's my concern with Mike Evans. I have him at 11. You have him at 12. What do you think about Mike Evans? Yeah, I like. I think most experts are higher on him than we are. There's just there's there's not one thing about Mike Evans that really makes you say I can't draft him, like as wide receiver one. But there's like all these little things that kind of add up where. He, I think he's number two behind Chris Chris Godwin. I don't necessarily think it's a one A one B. I think he is number two. Um, that's it's debatable. Um, he. I think that's a product of the Brady offense. He, I mean, the Arians' offense. They use the yeah. slot receiver as the number and one. Even, like last year, he was like he was still great last year. Um, that's because Jameis Winston just had insane volume. Um, yeah. Like like the volume is gonna be lower. That's another concern. Um, he is aging. I don't think he's going to, like, suddenly become, like, a scrub. It's not. He's a great player. But he is probably trending down more than trending up. Yeah. Um, I think when you're drafting him at, like, wide receiver, like, 8 or 7, that's more of a ceiling. And it's it's not good to draft players that they're ceiling when I draft them toward, more towards their floor or, like, kind of, like, in the middle. Is like yeah, no, he's going way too high if you're taking him as the eighth receiver. That's definitely his ceiling, and I think that's even generous. Yeah, so I think there's just there's too many concerns for Mike Evans. I haven't really ended up with him in any of my mock drafts. I don't really think I will in my any of my actual leagues either. I think he's always been one of the most under underrated receivers in the NFL. And like the thing about fantasy is you never hate the player, you hate where he's being taken. Um and I I love Mike Evans the player, but He's going way too high, in my opinion. And I think even me having him at, I think, wide receiver uh, 12, it might be too high. I don't know. Uh, there's just a lot of concern with Mike Evans for me. The only um, reason I have him so high is just because he's so talented. Will, do you want to play a game? Another game? Okay. Yes. All right, this game is called Mike Evans or Brandon Cooks. Oh, boy. Over the last two seasons, who has missed more games, Mike Evans or Brandon Cooks? Has to be Cooks. It is Evans. What? Evans has missed three. Cooks has missed two. Damn. Okay. All right. More touchdowns over the last two seasons. Mike Evans or Brandon Cooks? That's for Mike Evans. It is Mike Evans by a lot. He had 16 touchdowns over the last two seasons. Over the last two seasons, who has had a higher catch percentage? The top five receiver, Mike Evans, or Brandon Cooks? Jameis Winston was his quarterback. It has to be Cooks. That's not Evans' fault. It is Cooks. Cooks is at 63%. Mike Evans is at 59%. That's not Evans' fault, though. He said Jameis Winston doing him duds. Okay, anyways, let's move along in this game. <laughs> Who has more bust games over the past two seasons, Mike Evans or Brandon Cooks? Uh, it should be Cooks. It is Mike Evans with nine, wow. and Brandon Cooks had eight, and Mike Evans had week 17 where he had one catch for 61 yards and a touchdown, so he was one catch away from having a bust game. That's Mike Evans with almost 10 bust games over the past two seasons, seven of which came last year. Yeah, I haven't dug into it, but I wonder if that's a product of Evan disappearing or Jameis Winston having just a really shitty game. But I definitely want to look into that. Last one. And this is, again, the moneymaker for Mike Evans, why he's a top 12 receiver. More boom games. Mike Evans or Brandon Cooks? <laughs> it's definitely Mike Evans. 
Mike Evans has had 15 over the last two seasons. So Brandon Cooks has seven. So yeah. again, uh, there is a lot of risk, and this is way more risk than DeAndre Hopkins. I don't even want to compare it, but I was just playing a game to have fun. Mike Evans will have those boom games, but you really have to be cautious with him as a wide receiver one with those bust games. Yeah. Okay. So I, I see what you're saying. It's a it's a definitely a valid point. But I will even counter with with Jameis Winston not being in the offense and the the overall volume being lower. Maybe those boom games don't happen as often for Mike Evans. So maybe you you have the higher bust chance and the lower boom chance, which makes me even lower on him. So I just I think I definitely need to reevaluate where I have him. It's, yeah, I think I think you're right weird. with that. I don't know how much it compensates for the catch percentage with Brady coming in. Yes, the volume will decrease, but you have Winston throwing pick after pick after pick. He threw 30 picks. I think Brady throws at most 10 picks this season, and while the volume goes down, the efficiency will go up. So maybe that like combats it and counters it. We'll see. I might have to reevaluate as well. Yeah. All right, number 12, our last guy on this episode, Calvin Ridley, a guy who we both have as a breakout candidate for this season. You're a little bit higher on him than I am. You have him at 10 while I have him at 13. Again, not much of a discrepancy. There's not much of a discrepancy with any of these guys outside of like DJ Moore in these rankings. Um, Talk to why Calvin Ridley is your breakout guy for this season. Well, I think the only knock on him is that he is the number two in his offense. But being the number two to Julio Jones isn't really much of an indictment but maybe there is volume concerns in that sense but he's going into his third year he was a first round pick for a reason he's really talented um he's shown good ability in the red zone um the, the offense is going to be a top three in past attempts in my, i think probably by like 620 attempts so i don't think there's really volume concerns for any player in the offense um everyone has that high volume upside and there's like he's just so talented. It's it's hard, it's scary to to go away from that kind of talent. The concern is he has had injuries, and I totally understand that. But I don't know. I just I'm I'm totally bought in on Calvin Ridley the player. I'm bought yeah. in on the Falcons passing offense. So I'm on board. I mean, the 16 game pace for his two seasons has been where we're pro- projecting him to break out I mean maybe a little bit less than the wide receiver 10 but it, his 16 game pace for this first two seasons of his career has been great um I think the only real issue is injury like you said and maybe one other thing is maybe he doesn't get 10 or 9 touchdowns but again that's always in the capacity of his range of outcomes for a guy who's so talented in the red zone and has such a great quarterback at finding him in Matt Ryan so I really think this is a guy who provides safety I don't think he finishes lower than the wide receiver 15 or 16 and you don't have to take him as high as the wide receiver 10 or 11 where we have him in our rankings. And I think he could finish as high as top seven receiver. Yeah, I think his floor, if Julio Jones stays healthy, is probably wide receiver 15, 15, yeah. 16, 17. Um, but his his ceiling, if Julio Jones is healthy, I think, is probably wide receiver 8. And then in any weeks where Julio Jones misses, he instantly becomes one of the best plays for that week, yeah. which is... A lot of upside for any player. Yeah. All right. Well, thank you guys for all watching and tuning in. We will see you again on Thursday. And remember, we're doing two episodes this week. 
We're both very excited for that, and we'll be moving to four very soon when the season starts. And one other thing, the tight end rankings and quarterback rankings, I know we didn't go over them 1 through 12. We didn't really want to talk about Rob Gronkowski on this show (laughs) in the top 12 tight end rankings, but if you want to see those, you can go look on the website and um, take a look at those. So thank you guys for all watching, and we'll see you again soon.